Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jacob. Uh, pronouns are he, him. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of the, his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from, of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do so. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. Good morning, Imago. Good to be with you today. Um, as a, just a side note, I was talking to a friend about my church, Imago, and they thought I was saying Iago, so they thought that we worship that really mean parrot from the Aladdin movie. So, <laughs> good to clear that up. Um, but it, actually, the name of our church really fits with our message today, because we are Imago Day, which means the image of God. You're up. <laughs> I know. Pull it together is right. Um, but no, I love that part because it's beautiful. Um, the whole point of our church is that each one of us reflects God, a part of God. And so when we come together, all the differences that we bring reflect different parts of God. And so we see that in our bodies, which we're going to talk about today. We see that in so many aspects. So I just love that. And honestly, the music that Libby picked out, she just kind of gave my whole sermon. So just hear that same song, listen to it again, and pretty much that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> so anyway, if you can go ahead and get the first slide up there, we'll get started. So the whole month of October, we're going to be talking about different spiritual practices each Sunday. So um, we're going to start with just kind of talking about what that even means when we say spiritual practices. You've heard me talk about them before. Um, I'm kind of a nerd about those, and I love them. So, um, but first, we're going to talk about what are they not. So a spiritual practice um, is not something that you do to earn gold stars with God that makes you a better person. Um, so it doesn't work for you that way. Um, it's not a magic formula to get God to do what you want. So if you do these special things, then God will feel somehow obligated to give you that great parking spot up by the front of the store or something like that. It doesn't work that way either, um, which again, I'm thinking, then why bother? We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but it's also not something that super spiritual people do. We tend to think of somebody in a cave eating bugs, wearing really ugly clothes, doing these super spiritual things. Um, but they're not. Spiritual practices really are a simple action that we do in our everyday life that helps us connect with God and with ourselves. There's something that we do regularly over time, and doing that again and again shapes us and forms us. They are something that gives you permission to take care of your soul. We don't do that very well as a society. Um, we are so busy. We have so many things that are going on all the time. The, th the thought of stopping and just taking care of yourself in any way, but especially taking care of your soul, it just is not on our radar. We don't do that enough. A spiritual practice gives you that little window of time every day just to take care of yourself, to take care of your soul. 
So we're going to be talking about some different spiritual practices each week. And this week, we're going to talk about practices that connect you with your body. So we're going to go to the next slide. Um, we're also going to be talking about a book called The Power of Ritual. It's by Casper um, Terkeil. And he was a researcher. He worked with the Harvard Divinity School. And he was looking at how people were finding connection outside of the church. They realized lots of people were leaving church and they weren't in those communities anymore, but they were still hungry. They were still spiritual creatures. They still wanted to connect with people and they were finding that other places. So they were finding it in their CrossFit gyms. They were finding it with their biking clubs. They were finding it with their book clubs, lots of other places. So he started to look at that and how spiritual practices were bleeding out into all parts of society. And I think that's just really a beautiful thing because God is out in all parts of society, right? Not just in church buildings. We should be encountering God everywhere. So he really talks about how those spiritual practices, we can take ordinary things that are part of our life in every day and turn them into something spiritual. And so we're going to be starting next week. We're going to do our discussion group after church. Um, we're going to talk about this book. So um, if you'd like to start reading it now, it's a really easy read. It's very accessible, really interesting. The audiobook is also excellent. So if you like that route, that could be a way to go. But we're going to start that next week after service. So hope you join us for that. So we can go to the next slide. Um, Really, the whole idea with spiritual practices is they involve three things. Um, intention, attention, and repetition. So intention just means that we start an activity, we have a purpose. What are we trying to do with this time? Um, it is often connecting with God, connecting with ourselves. Um, that's what we're doing this for. So being intentional about the action we're taking. Attention is one of the hardest things for us, especially today. Just being in the moment, paying attention to where you are, how you're feeling, what's going on around you. And then repetition just means that you're making this a regular rhythm in your life. It's something you come back to every day again and again and again. It doesn't have to be a huge, gigantic program. It can just be a few minutes each day. But the coming back to it again and again gives it that power to shape you, to change you from the inside. If you have repetition but there's no intention or attention, it's just a habit. It's something that you do every day, reaching for your coffee in the morning. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's very different than a spiritual practice. They're just woven into you the things that you do all the time, but they help you connect to what God is doing and helps you listen to her. What is she saying to you in your day? So each Sunday this month, we're going to look at different areas. And again, today we're going to talk about your body and how that connects. So we're going to start um, for the next one. I'm curious and kind of connecting with what our scripture passage was today too. There are a lot of messages in that passage about our body, right? About our flesh. We hear that a lot. So I'm curious, what are some messages that you were told, either in church or from your family or just in society? What have you been told about your body over the years? It was a temple. Thanks again. To cover it up because you'll lead boys astray. To cover it up because you're going to lead boys astray. Yep. And that was all on you, right? Yeah. It wasn't the boys' problem. It was your problem to cover it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? God didn't make junk. Oh, I love that. She should have come with that message. That's awesome. Yeah. Very positive message. Oh, yeah. That is sinful. That is sinful. That your body is sinful. Right, from the very beginning, right? Sinful right away. Yeah. Okay, Jason. Yeah, the idea of your flesh being tied to your sin. Yeah. Yep. Any other things? Yeah, we hear a lot of those messages. Um, and again, the Bible is full of passages that we've had pulled out at different times. 
And they seem to be talking about that same idea, especially the idea of flesh being evil and sinful. So um, for me, I realized I had internalized a lot of those messages um, without even realizing it. I, we have a, a group here um, that starts, they have like a two-year program we do uh, for spiritual formation. We go on retreats every three months. We talk about different aspects of growing in our spiritual life. And one of the topics is about our bodies. And so when I was going through that program, we got to the retreat about our body, and I was kind of expecting it would be like, don't eat too much or get enough rest or something. I don't know. I had very low expectations for it. Um, but what they talked about actually was making friends with your body and loving your body. And I realized I had not done that. I had a very adversarial relationship with my body because my body was always a thing that was too weak or too uncoordinated or it didn't look the way that society said it was supposed to or it wanted all the wrong things. All these things that I had actually associated with my body was the problem that I had to wrestle with. I had to control it. I had to keep it under wraps. And so it really kind of opened my eyes to realize I needed to change the way I was thinking about my body and myself because of that. Part of that comes from the messages that we hear in the church. So our scripture passage today talked about the flesh and fighting against the flesh. And there's lots of other places in the Bible where we hear that. So in 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and life to come. James 3.2 says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Right? Keep your body under control. Um, Matthew 5.29, we've all heard this one. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. I know, gross. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. In James 3.6, it says, The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire. It is itself set on fire by hell. Now, if you notice, I picked out individual verses. That is so often how this is done, Right? We don't look at the context or what's being said all around it. We pull out this one little message and say, look, your body is the evil thing. Keep it under control. We internalize those messages, and we start to view our body as, again, the thing that we have to wrestle with, that we have to stop somehow. Um, there are also other messages in the Bible, though, and some of you guys refer to them when we are sharing. Psalm 139.14 says, you, are form- you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together at my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2.10 that we ended with today for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 talks about our bodies being the temples of the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, which is what our church is based on, said, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on earth. God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So these feel like different messages, right? The body was good and wonderfully made. The body is terrible. Don't let it control you. It's hard to pull those together. One of the things that um, I appreciate about N.T. Wright, theologian, says he talks about often we should substitute the word ego for the word flesh, for the word body in those passages. When we talk about what we're wrestling against, it's our own ego. It's the version of ourselves that we prop up because we're insecure and we're scared and we need people to tell us that we're good so we actually believe that we're good. Those, that ego is what leads us to selfishness and to hurt people. That's what we're wrestling with, not this thing, not the thing that we walk around in every day. When we make our bodies our enemies, lots of things come that hurt us. One is just shame. We compare ourselves to other people. We put ourselves down. We feel bad about our bodies. 
We can numb ourselves. We'll do anything to escape those bad feelings. So it could be just watching Netflix hour after hour. It could be substances. There's so many things that we do just to kind of push those feelings down so we don't have to deal with this tension in our bodies. We can even just physically obsess with our bodies. We can work really hard to be in perfect shape, to eat just the right way. We can deny our things, our, our body things, just to make ourselves be feel better, you know, that we're somehow superior because we're not letting ourselves have these things that feel good or taste good. When we do that and we make our bodies our enemies, we lose so much. We make our experience of God so small. We lose the thing that God is doing all around us. We limit, we ignore our emotions. We lose touch with how we're feeling. We can even cause physical ailments in ourselves. Our body can start to break down because of the way that we're treating it. We can make decisions based on emotions and unconsciousness without realizing what's actually leading to those emotions. We can just knee-jerk react to situations instead of sorting through what's actually going on. We really just lose one of the significant ways that God communicates with us is through our bodies. So today, if we can go to the next slide, we're going to be talking a lot about embodiment. Because if we are going to look at practices that help us connect with God and ourselves, embodiment is kind of a place where we need to start. So this is an idea that's been um, true in philosophy and also science and spirituality over the years. And honestly, those things all weave together in this topic. Things that we learn in one area help illuminate what we are learning in other areas. And I love the way that they all kind of weave together. So both of these teach us that our bodies are not separate from us. Our body keeps track of our emotions, it keeps track of our experiences, and it's part of our living experience, right? It carries it with us. So this idea um, that your body is separate from your spirit, that was first, um, it's kind of traced back to Rene Descartes. Um, he was the one who said, I think, therefore I am, if you heard that quote. But he talked about how your spirit was very separate from your body. Lots of um, scientists and theologians and philosophers started to push back against that idea say that, no, they're actually very connected to each other. Um, the work of Martin Hedegar, Maurice Merleau-Ponty, and John Dewey all kind of talked about that connection. And by the way, all the way through these things, I am not an expert on these. I'm kind of like your fellow traveler who's really geeking out on this, so I'm going to point you to other people that know a lot more about it than I do. But I want us to be exposed to all these different ideas. There have been lots of scientific studies that show how our body connects thoughts with physical sensations, physical actions. We connect concepts with the way that our body moves, sits, reacts to things. They're just so interesting to me. One, um, they did a study of participants, and when they would talk to them about future events, the people would unconsciously lean forward in the conversation. When they talked about things in the past, they would catch them just kind of leaning back a little bit. Their body was reflecting that idea that the future is somehow physically in front of us, and the past is somehow physically behind us. They just were reacting with their body to that idea. In another study, they were showing pictures of gender-neutral faces, and they asked people to say if they thought they looked male or female. During one of the studies, they had them squeeze a very, very soft ball in their hand while they were doing this activity, and they identified more faces as feminine. When they had a very hard ball to squeeze, they said more faces were masculine. Again, they were connecting an idea somehow of softness with femininity and hardness with masculinity, connecting that physical body with a concept. There was even one that I love. They gave people um, clipboards, and they were supposed to be evaluating the um, judgments and ideas of people. And if they gave them heavier clipboards, they gave more weight to the ideas that they were being exposed to. They felt they were more solid and had more to back them up. The idea of importance being somehow physically heavy was unconsciously in their head. Another one, they um, talked to subjects about Issues that were um, considered to be morally corrupt, so cheating on tests, doing things that were um, 
again, just ones that most people would feel is morally corrupt. People after that discussion were more likely to ask for a sanitary wipe to clean out their hands afterwards because purity is clean. Impurity is somehow physically dirty. We do this with our bodies and our minds all the time. And the danger is we think that we're very rational creatures, right? We think that we're making logical decisions just based on what our brain thinks. And we don't realize all the ways that our brain is internalizing messages from our body, our emotions from our body. Um, Hilary McBride has studied a lot of, about embodiment. And one of the things that she talks about, which I thought was fascinating, as they've studied the way that our minds and our bodies work, they notice that in the neural pathways, for every one pathway that goes from your brain out to your body, there are nine coming from your body back to your brain. You're constantly getting so much more information from your body up to your brain than your brain is sending out. You are reacting in so many ways to the, what your body is absorbing from the environment, the way that your body is picking things up, the way that your body is sensing what's happening. And again, it's the way that we were designed, right? It's the way that we were put together. So if we can learn to trust our bodies, we have access to all those things. And spiritual practices are just one way that we're going to look at how we can trust our body again. Learning to trust your body just looks like treating it like a friend, listening to your body, paying attention, being compassionate and kind with your body, um, engaging your body every day as you grow spiritually, making it a part of your encounters, not something you have to keep under control so you can do this really good spiritual stuff over here. We just kind of view all the parts of our body ourselves as a community, your body and your mind and your soul all working together, not one dominating the rest so that you can be making good decisions. Um, one of my favorite writers, Padre Gautuma, talks about just how important your body can be um, as you are growing spiritually. So I'm just going to tell a story from him. So he says that when I was a boy, I taught myself gymnastics. I got a book from the library and I practiced in the garden. Bruises and the occasional sprain all followed and tumbles too, but I kept going. In my early 20s, I had a colleague, a magnificent Canadian, who taught me backflips and somersaults, and I gloried in the small flights of such movements. As years went by, I tumbled less and sat more. I hunched over. And no surprise, back pain came eventually, too. Too much driving, too much sitting, not enough stretching. Where somersaults once beckoned, a yoga practice called. I resisted for a long time. I felt awkward that I was now a different weight. I accused myself, and I used the accusations as excuses. I compared the ease of backbends from before with the creaks of today, and I was no friend to myself. But anyway, back pain continued. Nothing prepared me for the home that a yoga practice gave. I could feel my back and then some healing aches. I could feel muscles and memories long stored in the body awaken. In some poses, I'd fight back tears, and during lockdown, I found myself weeping while in corpse pose more than once. Our bodies tell the truth, even when our minds are in denial. We're called to embodied practice of stretching sore muscles, of practicing justice, of equanimity for solidarity. Spirituality is sometimes misunderstood as disembodied, but nothing is more bodied. Spirit comes from the word breath, in and out. To tend to the spirit is to tend to the breath. Sharon Salzberg, Chris Abani, and Lucille Clifton all mark the connection between the body and the spirit, between thoughts and the body, between the body and human flourishing, between personhood and the politics of survival. Heart openers all, they call us to listen, to practice, to change, to act justly, to live well for ourselves and others. That last part, I love that this whole practice is meant to be bringing more good into the world. It's not just for us, even though we benefit, right? We feel better, our spirits and our bodies are more connected, good things come to us, but it's not meant to stay with us. It's meant to fuel and equip us to move out as a force of good into the world. That's one of the ways that spiritual practices of all kinds and the ones we talk about today help 
bring that force of good out into the world. So we're going to talk about several different um, spiritual practices. We're going to just kind of hit through several very quickly, and then we're going to try a couple here today as well. So um, we can go to the next slide. The first one we're going to talk about is um, prayer beads and palm crosses. So um, these are some things that I have. So this is just a little prayer bead um, thing that I made and a little palm cross that I use sometimes and a little worry stone. Um, oftentimes when we think about prayer beads, we think of little Italian women hunched over a rosary, usually in a village somewhere. I don't know why I had that mental picture, but just like going through it mindlessly. Um, but really what prayer beads do is they give your hands something to do and give your mind something to connect with. So often I'll just hold the beads in my hand. I'll just kind of run the beads through my fingers. And just that act gives my hand something to do, helps my mind connect with that, and then the rest of me is able to be open, to pay attention. The feeling of a palm cross is just very comforting in my hand. It just gives my body something to pay attention to. People for years have used worry stones, just something they would hold in their hand and rub while they were thinking, things they needed to wrestle with. Giving our body something to hold on to, a little touchstone, helps free up our soul, our spirit, helps us to pay attention to all the other things that are going on around us. Now, these, again, are not special beards. I went to Michael's and picked out ones I thought were pretty, and my daughter helped put them on a string for me. There's nothing magical about these. Um, I picked two sizes, and I just did a pattern of larger, and then several smaller, and then a larger one. You can do that kind of pattern just to help um, stimulate your prayers while you're going through. Um, but again, it's just something that connects with you, and there is just something about that tactile feeling in your hand. It helps settle me. It helps give your soul just a little bit of rest in that, and it gives your um, hand something else to do. You can go to the next slide. So another one um, is passing the peace. Um, this one comes from our spiritual formation communities that I talked about before. On the second day of the retreat, first thing in the morning when we're gathering together, one of the things we do is pass the peace. We go around and give everyone a hug and say, peace be with you. Um, usually we're groggy and a little grumpy and tired, and passing the peace is not really the first thing that we want to do in the morning. Um, and again, hugging people, uh, not everyone's favorite thing. I mean, I hug everybody, but most people, you know, not their favorite thing. But that moment, it really is an amazing connection for our bodies. Just that quick hug, that connection, it connects us to each other. It gets us centered and ready for the day. Um, that practice really does, as in a small way, just forms us, gets us ready. In the church, they, or in the Bible, they talk a lot about um, sharing like the kiss of peace with each other, which I think was just there to make junior high boys giggle in Sunday school class because we always laughed at that part. But again, it's the same idea, a physical connection with people in your spiritual community, a way to just to, to touch and connect that way. And go to the next one. Um, yoga and stretching is really a beautiful physical practice, a spiritual practice for you. Um, my friend Scott is an expert in this area. He has used that to really strengthen his spirit and his body at the same time. Now, this is one that I know very little about. I am so inflexible, it's horribly embarrassing. But I'm trying, I'm starting. And the biggest thing with this kind of practice is you have to be gentle with yourself. You have to be kind to yourself. You cannot compare yourself to someone else who's twisting themselves into a pretzel. Just start with something small. Give your body a chance to rest and pay attention. Notice what your body is doing. That attention part is so important with this. For some of us, doing this with a group is easier, going to a class with other people. For some of us, on our, being on our own is better. We're watching a video on YouTube doing something like that where you can just try it on your own without anyone else watching, they're all good. But give yourself a chance to connect with your body. Take care of your body, but also pay attention. What is your heart doing during that time? What is your spirit doing as you go through those practices? And again, the breath part is so important. That's a key part of yoga practice. And that can be a really important part of yourself too as you're going through that, connecting with your breath, opening up your heart as you do those things. Next slide, please. 
Um, moving in nature is a way to really connect your body with your spirit. Whenever we ask people what really helps you um, think about God, what's something that and feeds you spiritually, nature is always one of the first things they say. They talk about walking in the woods, going down by the ocean, going to the river, all those things, right? We have that just natural response to those things. If you combine that with moving your body, the results are even better, right? Your body is moving through that space. You have this beautiful nature around you to pay attention to you. It helps, again, connect all those different pieces of yourself in that simple act. And again, it doesn't have to be a huge 10-mile trek. But we have some really beautiful spaces just in our area where you could go and be in nature and just move your body and let your body react to that situation. Go to the next slide. So now we're going to do something that we're going to try ourselves. So um, today we're going to look at two different ones that we can try. So one of them is just the act of silence and checking in with your body, um, being able just to sit and notice what your body is doing. Now, for many of us, um, the thought of sitting still and being quiet with our thoughts is terrifying. We hate it. We know what our brain does, and then we feel like we fail at this. So I'm just going to tell you, you cannot fail at this. You absolutely cannot. Um, it's just a chance for you to sit and rest and notice what your body is doing. There are lots of ways to do this. There are some really great meditation apps that kind of guide you through this. If you want to try one of those, um, and sometimes when you have a group like this, the leader will say, okay, now relax your shoulders, and now let your spine relax, and all those things. Personally, I do not like those because I just start to get settled and they give me a new direction and I get distracted. So I'm just going to let you do this at your own pace. But we're going to take just a few minutes and we're going to sit in our space and I'm just going to encourage you to pay attention to your body. So we're going to try, um, if you just, it helps a little bit usually if you sit with your feet flat on the floor and try to sit up as tall as you can. Um, you can put your hands in your lap. You can just leave them at your sides. Just find a position that's comfortable for you. Some people like to close their eyes to help them focus. Some people don't, and they're both totally fine. Um, the key through all this is, again, that paying attention. Notice your body. Notice how you're breathing. Notice how you're feeling. Are there parts of your body where you feel extra tense? It could be in your shoulders or in your legs or in your back. Where are you feeling that? Okay. And as you breathe... Just take your time with the breaths and see how that starts to shift inside of you. Just pay attention to what your spirit is doing. So again, we're just going to take a few minutes of quiet just to sit and pay attention to your body. And if your brain starts to go a million ways, just let it turn back. It's fine. Just let it come back to yourself and pay attention to what you're feeling. Thank you. It's always hard to know when to stop because no matter when you stop, some people will think, oh, thank God. I thought he was never going to get going. And other people are just like, oh, I was just getting into it. <laughs> so I guess the good thing is when you're doing this on your own, you get to decide how long it can go. So what um, did you notice when you were doing that practice? What was challenging for you? Did anything surprise you? What did you notice when you were just trying that out? Your heart rate dropped. Yeah. yeah. Sarah? Yeah, so Sarah said when she started, she was hearing all the external noises, and then as it went longer, she started to just focus more internally. Good. Yeah, Dad? Yeah, just feeling really immersed. 
Good. And by the way, and that's wonderful that that was your experience. If that wasn't your experience, again, you still didn't do it wrong. Because sometimes I, sometimes I would tell myself, oh, they're really good people. They just get totally zone out, and it's all peaceful and happy and wonderful. And sometimes it is that way, and sometimes it's not, and that's still okay. So, but yeah, that's being just immersed in the moment is a beautiful thing. Anything else that you noticed? <laughs> not snoring is a good way to help your friends around. Yeah, so that's great. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Tim was saying just having all those thoughts running in your head still happens even when you're trying to do this. I mean, that's very normal. Yeah, my friend Karen always talks about when she's trying to do this, she imagines herself by a river, and she, when those thoughts go in her head, she puts them in a little boat and lets them float down the river, which um, I just start thinking about building a better boat and how many boats I'd have on there, and <laughs> I get distracted. But yeah, there's things like that that kind of, kind of help you refocus when that happens. So good, thanks. Um, again, I think because we as a spiritual community are more used to paying attention to God, I think in some ways it's a little easier for us to do this. I don't know a lot of places where I could have asked the crowd to do that and people have been so willing to just give it a try and go with it. So that was great. Yeah, um, so again, this is a real simple one to do, just to sit for a little bit and let yourself relax. Um, And again, some people do like to have a guided meditation where they have some words to walk them through that, and that's great too, if that works better for you. Um, the last one that we're going to look at today, if we go to the next slide, is um, breath prayers. And so um, breath prayers is something I wasn't really familiar with until a couple years ago. They're very, very short prayers where you just say one phrase as you breathe in and then a different phrase as you breathe out. And it's just to yourself in your head, and you're just kind of connecting those words with your breath, and you just do that same phrase over and over again as you're breathing. Um, in some of my younger days, I would have thought that was stupid, to be honest. Like, why are you just repeating phrases? Who cares? What good is that? Um, now I just really appreciate the way that it does center me. It helps me to connect with my breathing. And also the words that I'm saying back and forth, they just sink into me in a way that's deeper than if I just acknowledge them with my head. And just, that repetition part that we talked about again is true even in this practice, that you are saying those things to yourself again and again. And those short little prayers um, can really help. I found when I'm really anxious, like at night if I'm having trouble sleeping and I'm all stressed out about it, that's the one thing that will actually help me to calm down, just repeating a phrase as I breathe in and breathe out. That settles me in ways that trying to think through the problem and rationalize it don't. So it's a way to just kind of center those things. So there are a million breath prayers, and there's no magic formula, no magic words for these. Um, Sarah Bessie has written some really beautiful breath prayers recently, so I'm just going to share a couple of the ones that she had. Um, And one of her prayers, when you inhale, you say, I am made in the image of God. And then exhale, I behold myself and others with loving, steady, faithful care. Inhale, I resist the temptation of despair. Exhale, everything I hope is true about love is already here. I love that phrase. That's a cool thing. Everything I hope that is true about love is already here. Inhale, my inside world is being set right. Exhale, I can see God at work in the outside world. That combination of both those things. Inhale, absolutely nothing can come between me and the love of God. Exhale, I'm always embraced by Jesus. For me, I tend to do ones that are really, really short. I will just say, on inhale, God of love, and exhale, hold me close. Just something that's really short. But it helps, again, to center me in that. So, again, um, when you're doing this kind of breath prayer, let yourself breathe deeply and long as you're doing that. Don't rush your own breaths. 
And it's okay to adjust your prayer as you go. Sometimes I'll start with a phrase that I think is going to work, and then either the rhythm doesn't quite fit my breathing, or it just doesn't quite feel right, and I adjust it as I go, and that's totally fine. But when you kind of find one that you settle into, just let yourself repeat that phrase in your head as you're breathing in and out. So again, we're going to try this just for a little bit. Um, and again, the words, there's nothing special about those. If you want to just do the God of love, hold me close, that's an easy one to remember. If you have a different one that you want to use, that's totally fine. But as we're trying this again, think of just a phrase you can say as you're breathing in, and then the separate phrase as you're breathing out, and just repeat that. And just, again, let those words just kind of speak to you as we're doing this practice. Thank you for giving that a try, too. I have to admit, I kind of zoned out during that one. I wasn't even sure how long we've been doing it. Oops, I hope it wasn't an hour. Sorry. <clears throat> um, again, just paying attention to your body. Making that connection is what matters with that. So for our last slide, um, your challenge for this week is to try out a spiritual practice this week that connects you with your body. It could be one of the ones that we talked about this morning. could be a different one. Um, give yourself a little bit of space every day just to try it out. The key is to make it so short and simple, there's no excuse not to do it. So don't make like, I'm going to meditate for an hour. I'm going to do five minutes. Give it something that's small that you absolutely can do. And then just try it every single day and see how that goes. And let someone else in on what you're trying to do. Either do it with them or just let your friend know, hey, I'm going to try this so they can ask you about it. And we are meant to do this together as a community, right? So even when we're practicing on our own, we're still in this together. So let someone else be a part of that process as you um, take on that challenge. So again, this whole month, we're going to look at different spiritual practices. Next week, Vicki is going to be talking about awareness and building that into your um, practices. That'll be amazing, because she always is. But as we were trying these things out, we just encourage you to, to experiment and see what is working for you and let yourself connect with your spirit in a whole new way.